going to turn to the book of Proverbs, and uh, we're going to be focusing on a specific uh, proverb, actually quite a famous one. But before we do that, if you're not familiar with what a proverb is or what the book of Proverbs is, uh, the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon, and it is a part of a collection of books that we call the Wisdom Literatures. And these books are the Songs of Solomon, uh, the book of Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And, and these books, we say that this is where the wisdom is found in the Bible. And all of these books are actually in the Old Testament. And so these uh, books, they have different literary styles, different themes that they explore. But its main heart and its main goal is to impart wisdom to God's people, but each one of them does it through a different lens, a different viewpoint. And so a proverb's goal is to impart practical wisdom to us, to impart things for daily life through what we do with our hands, but also how we relate to people. Its goal also is to not uh, drag things out, but to kind of really get to the point really quickly. And that's what a proverb is. It's a short but powerful statement that releases the gold nuggets of God's wisdom into our hearts and into our life. And so the thing is, a proverb can literally sum up whole chapters and whole stories of the the Bible with just one sentence. It can also kind of make what is normally sometimes complex quite concise and simple and relatable. So it's actually easy to understand. So that's what a proverb is, and let's dive into it today. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and it says this. Above all else, guard your heart. Somebody knows this in this place. For everything you do flows from it. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are here. And God, I thank you that the power of your word actually goes before us. And Lord, I pray as we dive into this short but powerful statement that we would encounter your presence. Father, I ask that you would make this scripture come alive to us. Maybe we've heard this scripture in kids' church Way back when we were young, Father, maybe we've read this just the other week. God, I pray that it would be fresh, that it would come alive. God, that we would hear something new, Father. And God, I pray that we would uh, be able to come to a place, Father, where we just open our hearts, ready to receive a powerful touch from heaven today. Lord, I pray that everything from, uh, that anyone who needs healing today, everything from a headache to cancer would be healed in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for anyone who is feeling that there is spiritual oppression in their life. God, I just say in the name of Jesus, would you flee? God, I just declare today that we would not come here to have cute church, but God, we would come here ready and expectant to receive a powerful move from you, Father. We pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready this morning, church? Come on, let's do it. Well, right from the get-go, we see that this proverb is not mucking around. It's not not really kind of tiptoeing around. It says right at the start, above all else. The author here, Solomon, is really trying to get our attention. He's saying, hey, just before you read on after this, just this is important. Pause, stop. Don't just keep reading. You know when you just kind of keep reading, and you're like, man, I I just read a whole two chapters of the Bible. I can't even remember what I read. (laughs) The author here is just saying, just, hey, attention, hey, hey, wake up. This this is important. This is of great importance. It's almost like that classic phrase that a preacher says that at the end of his message that he might say, hey, if you've not heard anything that I've said today, just hear this. Hear hear this moment. Hear, Hear what I have to say. In actual fact, what the author's really trying to say is don't bother putting into practice any other parable if you're not putting this one into practice. 
There's so much gold, there's so much wisdom in all the parables, but if you actually don't put this one into place, all the others will fall at the floor. Because above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. And so this morning, to actually unlock the the wisdom that is found in this parable, we actually need to dive deeper into what the words guard and what the words heart mean. Firstly, let's just go into what the word heart means. When Solomon was writing this word heart, he wrote the word lev in Hebrew, and it's going to come up on the screen. It's really simple for people like me who can't spell. L-E-V, lev, really simple. And when he was writing it, this word heart, he was writing it from an Israelite, ancient Israelite perspective, not, not a 21st century perspective, but an ancient Israelite perspective. And to the ancient Israelite, the heart wasn't just an organ, but it had many intricate layers. For us today, we kind of just think the heart is just this scientific thing that we can study. But to the ancient Israelite, it was so much more. In actual fact, it was the center of life. It was actually where life flowed. The heart was so crucial to an ancient Israelite. It was, it was the place where life started. It was the place where life flowed for people. It was where everything that we do came from. Hence why this verse says, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. And so this one word, lev, actually had four functions. Just quickly, we're going to dive into what these four functions are. Firstly, they understood it to be the center or generator of physical life. So we we get that. We understand that without a ticker, you're not going to continue on. You need a heart. Your heart is what pumps blood into your vital organs to help you sustain life. And we kind of think, "That's, that's really cool. I understand that. I know that. But... To an ancient Israelite, without modern science, without all the things that we know today, that's actually quite an amazing conclusion that they came to, that without the heart, you you cannot sustain life. And I was actually picturing this week, I wonder how they worked that out. But anyway, we won't go down that road. But they worked out that for the heart, it was the generator of life, and a human could not function without the heart. The second uh, function of the heart was that it it was the center of our thoughts or our intellect. And here's where things get a bit interesting about this word lev. To the ancient, uh, the ancient Israelites actually didn't have a word or didn't really even have a concept for the brain. They actually really didn't even know what the brain did. But to them, the brain was the heart. And it was the place where thoughts were generated. It was the place where your intellect start and began. It was where your intellect would actually flow from. And so for us today, we would say, you know, with modern science and studying hormones and all that sort of stuff, we know that thoughts come from our brain. But to the ancient Israelite, the heart was the place where thoughts, where your intellect would actually flow from and come from. It was the place where you knew. It was the place where you understood. It was the place where you connected dots. It was where you would obtain wisdom and store wisdom. You would store wisdom in your heart. And it was also the place that you would draw from in your memory. It was, I'm drawing from my heart, hearing what I'm saying. And so thirdly, the next function would be that this would be the place where uh, it was the center of their emotions. The heart was the place where they felt. And again, in our context, we know and understand that it it probably more happens in in our brain with, with the chemicals and all of that sort of stuff. But to the ancient Israelite, emotions flowed from the heart. You know that saying, I have a broken heart. 
It actually is deep-rooted in biblical understanding. It's actually where it originated from in Hebrew culture, that I have a broken heart because it's a place where I feel. It's a place where I feel joy. It's a place where I feel excitement. It's a place where I feel passion and zeal. But it's also the other side of the coin where I feel sadness, deep sorrow, guilt, shame, worry, and depression. For the ancient Israelite, that would be the place where that would originate from, where that would flow from. And lastly, because the heart was where you had your intellect, where you thought, and because the heart was where you felt, they logically concluded that it was the place where you uh, made your decisions from. Because the heart is where you think, because the heart is where you feel, then your desires, what you want and what you don't want, would actually flow from your heart. So to the ancient Israelite, the heart was physical, the heart was intellectual, the heart was emotional, and the heart was the place where your decisions flowed from. And this Bible verse uses that word, and it says, guard this heart. Guard this heart. Guard your emotional life. Guard your intellectual life. Guard your choices. Above all else, don't do anything else unless you're guarding your heart. Guard your thoughts. Guard your emotions. Guard your choices because that's where life flows from. Are you with me this morning? Let's look at the word guard. The, the word guard is, doesn't just mean protect. It doesn't just mean defend. But don't worry, it's not a four-part series on what this word means. Quite simply, the word in the Hebrew is nazar, and it means to guard, keep, watch, and preserve from danger. The picture that I get when I read this word is someone standing on a, on a fortified city wall in full armor, standing watching the city gate, you know, like if you've watched Lord of the Rings or anything like that, you know, you don't, what you don't want to let in, you don't let in. And so this soldier watches what comes in, but also turns his head every so often and is watching what's going on inside the fortified city and, and also is watching what actually comes out of the fortified city. It's, a guard, it's, it's guarding what is happening and what is going on in that city. And we know it to be in this context, guarding the heart making sure that the heart is preserved from danger, that it's well-kept, that it's, that it's a clean city, that it's an environment where people can flourish. It's a place where people can have a, have a positive life, have a life to the full. And so with this understanding of guarding and of the heart, let's read this verse again. Above all else, pay attention, listen to this, guard, keep, watch, Preserve from danger your heart, your intellectual, your emotional, and your choices in life. And you can see why this last bit is in this verse. For everything you do flows from it. The reason that you may have made that bad decision is because it originated from your heart. Because maybe there was something going on at that time... Maybe you were holding some sort of unforgiveness. Maybe the reason that you lashed out at someone, it didn't just happen. It actually came and flowed from the heart. Everything you do, every decision, every thought, every feeling that you feel, it all flows from the heart. And you may have just noticed I didn't really go into the physical side of the heart. 
And though this word is used, and though it's, it has its four functions, through the understanding of this, the context of this verse, we know that the Bible isn't talking about the physical heart in this verse. Though it is true that you need to watch, keep, and protect your physical life, because if you want to have a good heart, you, you want to make sure that you live a long life, you need to watch what you eat, and you know, all that sort of stuff. But here, what this Bible verse is actually talking about is focusing on the inner person. What's going on on the inside? You know, when you say those phrases, us Pentecostals, we, we have these phrases, you know, we say things, you know, like, I just feel it in my spirit. I just, I just feel it on the inside. What you're actually saying is, I feel it in my heart. I, I just sense it in my heart. I feel it in my heart emotionally, logically, and, and then that's going to lead me to make some certain choices. Now, for some people, the reason that you might not actually be encountering God the way that you want to encounter God is because you're blocking Him from your emotional life. You're blocking him from your intellectual life. And then you're actually blocking him from allowing him to impart wisdom into your life to enforce your choices and decisions. The heart is so powerful. That's why the Bible says to guard it. Above all else, guard your heart. This proverb leads us to believe that a well-kept heart will lead to positive outcomes in your life. If your heart is kept, if your heart is watched, if your heart is guarded, it will actually lead to positive outcomes in your life. Positive emotions, positive decisions, positive thought life. And now I'm not saying that it's going to lead to the perfect life because who knows that life throws its challenges at us. Look, we're all in church today with masks on. Oh my goodness. And hey, good on you for coming to church today. Why don't you just give yourself a pat on the back for coming to church doing... Really give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. Come on, participation, you know, you know. We need to guard this heart. We need to protect this heart. We can't just, um, yeah, believe that our life is going to flow and be perfect if we continually guard our heart because life throws its challenges at us. But here's the thing. We actually get the decision to choose how our heart responds when life throws its curveballs at us, when life throws its harder seasons at us because while a well-kept heart will lead to positive outcomes, an unkept heart will lead to negative outcomes. A heart that's unkept will lead to a negative thought life. An unkept heart will lead to a negative emotional life. An unkept heart will lead to negative and sometimes destructive choices in our life. And so can you see this morning, church, why this is your most vital battle? This is the title for my message this morning. Winning your most vital battle. This is the battle that you need to win. This is the battle that this verse says, that if you win this battle, your life will flow well. And the truth is, this battle is something that you are going to face not weekly, not monthly, daily. Winning this battle. When that co-worker said that comment, Maybe they didn't say it to you physically. Maybe it was well construed in a really articulate email and it just kind of put you off a little bit. You know, when your child, for me, says no to you and you're like, oh my gosh, you're 80 months old. Like, how can you say no? How can you know what no means? How am I going to receive that? How am I going to interpret that situation, you know? Or to that person that hurt you so long ago that you're still holding on to. It's actually a daily choice to allow that thing to continually flow in your life, winning your most vital battle. You know, the reason that I'm actually speaking this message this morning is because God's been taking me on a journey with my heart. Uh, 
about a month ago, I noticed that my heart wasn't sounding nice. My heart wasn't thinking nice. It was actually leading me to make some negative decisions. Now, it wasn't leading me down the path of sin, thank you, Jesus. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't giving me the results that I wanted, my choices and my decisions. And so I actually brought this to God. I was like, God, why am I thinking like this? Why am I feeling like this? And why am I making these decisions? Why am I making those decisions in my head? And God actually began to say to me, Sam, it's because you're not guarding your heart. You've actually let fear come into your heart. You've actually let insecurity come into your heart. You've actually let all these negative things... In the past, you've guarded those things, but Sam, you've you've actually stopped guarding your heart. And as you all know, we're on this journey of planting a church... New opposition, new things, new opportunities, but with it come new attacks. With it come new fears. With it come new insecurities. And God just began to reveal to me, Sam, this can all go away if you would release it to me, but also make the daily choice to guard fear, to guard insecurity, to guard the things that are coming up in your heart and in your life. Come on, Sam, it's time to let it go and start guarding again. So how do we win this battle? This is where I want to land today. How do we win this battle? How do we guard our heart? You know, this proverb is so amazing. It's so short. It's so concise. It tells us what to do, but it doesn't tell us how to do it. (laughs) And this is sometimes the issue with proverbs. It's, It's amazing. It's so short, and sometimes things need long explanations. But thank you, Jesus, because 100 years later, Jesus has a conversation with some Pharisees, and we can actually learn how to guard our heart because of this conversation that Jesus had. So literally, thank you, Jesus, for this conversation that we're about to read. So we're going to look at this conversation that Jesus had, and uh, just kind of some context before we get into these few verses. Jesus is rebuking some Pharisees, as he kind of did quite regularly. Uh, He wasn't very happy with them, because he wasn't representing the heart of the Father well. And uh, on this occasion, the Pharisees actually went on the attack they wanted to bring the smoke that morning. And uh, Jesus, the, the Pharisees said to Jesus, hey, you're casting out demons by the spirit of demons. You've read this verse before. And then Jesus goes on to say, how can a house divided against itself stand? And as he's finishing his rebuke, he says these words that are going to come up on the screen. Make a, a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks, here it is, what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Remembering an ancient Israelite perspective, where would you store things? Where would you put things? You would place it in your heart. So this morning, we're going to unpack these verses and learn how we can guard our heart. First thing is this. Guard what comes in. Guard what comes in. Anyone here watch the show Border Security? There's not really any new episodes these days. It's kind of reruns at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, when, you, when you're sick, when you've got COVID, you know, like you're at home and you're on the couch and like, oh, Border Security. Oh, I've seen this episode before. I know what happens here. I'm prophetic. I know what's going to happen here. 
But uh, when I was younger and this show first came out, I was like, oh my goodness, this show, you get an inside look into what's going on in the airports. It's got the gadget intro, you know, like, with all the numbers on the screen. And well, to like a 10-year-old kid's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. These border guards, they're actually quite incredible people because they were so well trained to pick up things that shouldn't be coming into the country. And though sometimes on the outside someone looked well and, you know, looked well to do, they were so well trained that they could actually pick up a twitch in the eye, a nervous kind of twitch in the arm, and they could actually look and see, like, there's an obscure thing going on packed around the legs, or they, they were able to look through the luggage of someone's um, luggage. I used the word twice. Anyway, so someone's <laughs> luggage, and it looked all well, but they would tear it open and begin to reveal that there's some substances actually hidden in this luggage. And if you're like me, you wait till the end because like any good documentary, you get the, the titles at the end and you watch what, what happened. They were deported, they were sent back or you know, they're, they're in prison somewhere or something like that. Here's the thing, when it comes to our heart and it comes to our life, um, we need to understand that not everything that lands or arrives at our heart is positive. Not everything that arrives or lands at the doorstep of our heart will actually bring positive things into our life. And so we actually need to be like these border guards in this show and be well-trained and know how to discern, is this thing actually going to build me up? Is this going to build up my heart? What do I mean by that? Is this going to build up my emotional life? Is this going to build up my thought life? And is this thing that I'm allowing into my life, allowing into my heart, is it going to... Uh, help me make good decisions. And so, number one, we actually need to guard what comes into our heart. It's clear in the verse that we read before that a good tree or heart will produce good fruit or a bad heart will produce bad fruit. And so these officers know how to discern between good and bad fruit and sometimes literally they discern between good and bad fruit in this show. One of the amazing things is that these border guards actually have tools at their disposal to help them as well. So they're not just reliant on, on, on human strength. They have devices that help them pick up substances. They, had, they have sniffer dogs. They have all these tools at their disposal to help them pick up things and, and make sure that what they're allowing into our country is good and is positive. And when it comes to our heart, we have this incredible tool as well. It's called the Word of God. And this thing is, is, is what we need to lay a foundation of in our life so that we can actually detect and discern what should and what shouldn't be allowed into our heart. Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Here it is. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Galatians 5, classic kids' ministry verse, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. Before the fruits of the Spirit are listed, there's the, the non-fruits of the Spirit, you know, all the things that we shouldn't be doing in our life, and then it lists love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can tell I was raised in church, you know. I'm, I'm there, like, whoa, amazing. The fruit of the Spirit, that's what we want to dwell on. That's what we want to have be active in our life. And I love this verse. Philippians 4 verse 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when it comes to our thought life, our emotions, and our choices, we need to guard against things that are untrue. Guard against things that are unnoble. Put a guard up against things that are evil, impure, unadmirable, unpraiseworthy. In Galatians, as I was saying before, we need to guard against sexual immorality. We need to guard against pride. Come on. Oh, it's getting quiet. We need to guard against greed. We need to guard against lust. We need to guard against gossip. We need to guard against drunkenness. We need to guard against division because the Spirit of God dwells in unity. These are all things that, when it comes to our heart, that picture, again, of a fortified city, someone guarding the heart. These are things that we need to make sure that we don't enter our heart. What's the heart? It's where life flows. We need to make sure that these things don't enter our life. It's going to affect our thought life. It's going to affect our emotions, and it's going to affect our decisions. For some of us, it's not just what arrives at our doorstep, but it's actually the things that we choose to be involved in. It's the things we watch, it's the things we listen to, it's the people that we choose to be around, it's the certain environments that we choose to engage in. These aren't just things that arrive at our doorstep. We go up to these doorsteps. We actually say, hey, come in, have, have full reign. This music, this show, this environment, we need to be careful and make sure that these things don't enter our heart, have good convictions in our life to ensure that these things don't penetrate our heart. Think about this for a second. The issue that you are facing right now could be solved by saying no to something or someone. I I don't know your story. I don't know your journey right now. But the issue that you are facing right now could be solved by saying no to something or or by saying no to someone as you say no to that thing entering and living in your heart. Number one, we need to guard our heart. Number two, we need to remove what's crept in. Remove what's crept in. My favorite part of the show of Border Security is actually when they go behind the scenes and you actually see backstage when they're um, dealing with the parcels and deliveries and they, they show you the craftiness of people. And it's, it's amazing, people's brains, but it's, it's not good, you know, like what's coming into Australia. And you just see how they have all this incredible technology to stop things from arriving in our nation that, that shouldn't be there. And as we know with news reports, sometimes things actually do come into our city via delivery and post and all that sort of stuff. But they'll tell you on the show, we actually have this technology and we now have that technology. This technology is only six months old because as border guards and as police have gone and done their job, we've learned how these things have actually crept into and gone past our guard and past our watch. And we've now developed new technology to make sure that this doesn't enter our city, that this doesn't enter our nation. You know... We, we try our best and we do, but sometimes things just creep in. Yeah. Things creep into our heart and they're actually, we might believe that they're staying rent free, but they're not. Yeah. There's actually a high cost to allowing things in our life that we allow there that sometimes we don't even know that it's come in and sometimes we don't even know that it's been sitting there. But over time, these things, they start so small. It's like mold. You don't know it's there, but after a week and after two and after a month, it's like you've got this whole problem that you never knew about, but it started small. It didn't just appear in an instant. I'm talking about things of jealousy. 
unforgiveness, bitterness, disappointment. That was me. Envy, resentment, faithlessness, hopelessness. You know, the reason I've listed these things in this point is because these things start small. And they sneak in. And at first it's like, oh, it's just a little bit of jealousy. Oh, it's just a little bit of unforgiveness. If that's allowed to sit and fester and grow in our life, it's eventually going to manifest and, and come out in ways that we do not want it to come out. The way we think about people is tainted. The way that when someone says something that they didn't mean, but you, you receive that like, like it was the worst thing that could have ever been received. And we start to make decisions or choices based off the things that we've allowed to stay and sit in our heart. We keep choosing wrong person after wrong person after wrong person because we've allowed that hurt to stay and sit in our heart. So we need to remove these things. We need to have a spring clean. We need to make sure that these things, that they're living there rent-free, but it's time for you to go. It's time for you to flee. It's time for you to leave. But here's the most amazing thing. We actually don't do this job on our own. We have the Holy Spirit. And He actually helps us remove these things from our life. The Holy Spirit is so merciful. He's so graceful that as soon as we ask God, I need this out of my heart. I need this out of my life. He moves in an instant. He moves in a speed of light. He moves so quickly. It comes and he heals and he restores your heart. The third way that we guard our heart, as the team come up and join me, is that we watch what's coming out. So firstly, we guard what's coming in and then we remove what's crept in. But the third thing we do to guard our heart is that we watch what's coming out. Out. We watch what's coming out of the city walls of our heart. You know, guarding your heart is not just watching what's coming in. It's also watching what's coming out. This, again, the show Border Security. Sometimes they, they have vital intel passed onto them from other nations and other agencies of something or someone entering the nation that shouldn't be there, that shouldn't, you know, be on that flight or be on that plane. And Australia received this, receives this intel and they say, hey, as soon as that person lands or as soon as that parcel arrives, can you just send it back? Just make sure that you send that thing back. And we need to actually be the same as well and make sure that we realize that we're, we're guarding those things, that we have that vital detail in our life. Because here's the thing, here's the reason why they're able to track those things. Because other countries and agencies aren't just watching what's coming in. They're watching what's going out. And so when it comes to our heart and when it comes to our life, we need to watch what's coming out of our life. Watch what's coming out of our thoughts. Watch what's coming out of our emotions. Watch what's coming out of our choices and decisions. And as I was saying before, that these things, they can creep in and we have no idea about them. And the moment that we realize that they're there is when we open our mouth. And we go, did I just say that? It's like that, you know, the hand, it's like instantly over the mouth. And we go, oh my gosh, that's not me. And no, it's not you. It's not who Christ has made you to be. It's not how Christ sees you. But that thing is resting in your heart. And that thing is sitting in your heart. But the thing is, Jesus can come and heal it in his name. Let's read that verse again, verse 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. The mouth gets its instructions, not from the brain, 
but from the heart. Yes, it gets its instructions with muscles and tendons on how to move from the brain, but thoughts and emotions and choices come from our heart. And if you're not liking what's coming out of your life and what's coming out of your mouth, it's not your mouth that you need to tell off. It's actually your heart. What's going on on the inside of there? If the heart gets its instruction from the mouth, if the mouth gets its instruction from the heart, then our thoughts gets its instructions from the heart. Our emotions do and our choices do as well. What comes out of a person is the ultimate revealer of what's going on on the inside of their heart. And again, church, this, this, this was me. This was, this was my journey. I realized that my thoughts weren't nice, that my heart wasn't feeling nice, and that my choices weren't leading me to a place where I wanted to be, a place of faithlessness, a place of hopelessness. But it wasn't that I sensed my heart. It wasn't that I sensed my emotions or my choices. I sensed what was coming out of my mouth. We're going to go, wow, I'm, I'm really not speaking faith. I'm not speaking hope. I'm actually speaking fear. And when I brought that to God, He revealed to me that my heart was not in the right place. It was when I caught my mouth in the act that I realized what was going on in the inside of my heart. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. Come on, why don't we stand in this place today?